When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If I had been asked before the age of, say, 30 to make this documentary, I would almost certainly have called it No Compromise. For at that age, life was all about principles and everything was seen in terms of black and white. There was a need then for an absolute certainty about everything. With reprehensible arrogance, I presumed that there was only one way to squeeze the lemon, and that was my way. But as the years crept by, as innocence was lost and experience and a modicum of wisdom catastrophically gained, the counterfeit principles were seen for what they really were, prejudice, intolerance, intransigence, the closed mind. The rigid demarcation line between black and white was blurred perceptibly. The colours diffused to form a softer, more malleable grey. There was less need of certainty, more of blind faith, the views, the feelings of others must be accommodated. I came to appreciate the difference between expediency and honest compromise. Came to appreciate that all successful human intercourse, especially between those of different ages, depends on giving way, finding a common denominator, a halfway house, where intransigence and its attendant acolytes of selfishness and fear have no place. In this Halfway house, there is no certainty, no guarantee, no safety net. There is just a blind, blind faith and the courage of the gift. From the beginning, obviously, um, there was some a particular attraction between us. I had gone through several relationships. Um, prior to meeting her, people of my own age. I'm actually in my early 30s now, and she's virtually 60. And there is this very obvious age difference between us. I'm actually 34, and he was 62, and I've been used to older men. I mean, my father and all his friends, I've often gone out for evenings with them. We've gone to race meetings and so forth, so I never felt uncomfortable in an older man's company. For two years or so, it, it was a marvellous relationship. She was 25 years younger, but uh, age seemed to make no difference at all. In, indeed, she would often say how great it was 
that the age difference didn't matter. I'm 50, although I don't actually feel 50 at all. Um, I met Joy, who uh, is 20, so there's quite an age gap between us. I teach at art school, and Joy actually was one of my pupils. She was a strange girl. She was quite young, uh, attractive, as well as artistically presentable. So I said, well, look, I know it sounds trite and hackneyed, but would you not come up and see the thing? Come and see the etchings, which at least drew a smile from her. And all of those people started those particular relationships, not because of an age difference or in spite of an age difference. Age, at the start, was not a consideration. They did not ask of their partners, how old are you? There was some mutual attraction, some common ground, some instant rapport, some intimation that this may work, we might make it. All started out with hope and enthusiasm. Some lasted, some didn't. Philip is 25 years younger than Hilda. When we met, I wasn't. I was completely aware of the variation in our age, but I wasn't. Didn't meet her specifically looking for a long-term commitment. I met her, as I said initially, on a professional basis. She suggested that I come along to various uh, functions, and gradually our uh, relationship uh, spread beyond the professional. Um, and then what actually sort of sparked it off was on one occasion uh, was that she went on holiday and for three weeks she wasn't around and I realised that quite a number of functions happened uh, in, in, in the cultural domain and she wasn't there, as it were, to, to, to go along to them with and I realised that none of the younger people that, I, uh, that were my acquaintances uh, were particularly interesting to be with. So when she came back, I had a pretty good idea that I missed this woman for more than just um, bidding the time of day to her. Uh, and from then on, with her sort of frank, outgoing approach, uh, we very, very quickly got together. And we found that we had a great deal um, more than just cultural interest uh, together. We found we were quite sexually compatible very, very quickly, notwithstanding the age difference. Ruth was a GP in a North Cork village when she met Alex an artist, who divided his year between France and his native Cork. They met originally in her surgery and subsequently... I was driving through the main street and um, he waved at me one day and I never, ever do anything spontaneous. I always know what I'm going to do the next moment and I was surprised at myself that I actually stopped the car and sort of hailed him over. He came over and we just chatted, very trivial, frivolous gossip and... Um, he invited me to dinner and I was surprised that he said dinner because I was used to going to dinner and I immediately imagined it to be some, my, you know, my usual sort of formal restaurant. But he said, um, you might come to dinner in my place. And I said, OK, are you going to cook? And he said, yes. So I was really excited that night getting ready to go to... I suppose I knew that I was going to embark on some sort of a new experience. I'd never dated anybody that wasn't in my own peer group Alex, 23 years older than Ruth, remembers how it began, a short time after his arrival in the village. It was a very nice area with a good view of the river, and they took a small flat there. Oh, they, they trying to settle down and strike up relationships with people in the area. Um, I had occasion to visit the, the local surgery. Um, jokingly, I described it as a bruised libido to the doctor, 
and uh, she was not at all impressed at this. Uh, she seemed to look upon me as a sort of a, a little boy in long trousers. But she had the most fantastic jawline. The colouring was right, her face, her profile. I, I had practically forgot why I went there in the first place. I just had to have her in one of my paintings. It was almost finished. She was like the, the piece of the jigsaw puzzle, the missing piece. So she was busy with stethoscopes, and in my mind's eye, I had a palette going. So at the end of our, uh, her running the, uh, and explaining to me the tablets and what one did with them, um, two before and after, or baths or hot water, I could never quite figure out what it was about anyway. I explained to her why I kept staring, and would she please sit for me? And so they started out on the most deliciously intriguing and dangerous journey in the world, the journey of two people toward each other, full of ponderable and imponderable components, a veritable minefield where attitudes, idiosyncrasies, foibles, family, friends, status quo, and ultimately, perhaps primarily, age, and how they handled it would be the deciding factor. And so the protagonists each had different needs, different expectations. Each brought something different to the relationship. Each took something different from it. Philip's partner, Hilda, comes from Germany. This, he finds, has helped their relationship. Uh, again, her um, continental roots, uh, I think, give her a different perspective on growing old than a great number of Irish women that I know. She's not as conditioned to sort of fading and just becoming the stereotypical old woman that many people here in this country uh, are, in that she has retrained, she's gone into uh, computers, she has virtually created a second career for herself in arts administration. And uh, I, I, I'm delighted about that because it has virtually given her an entirely new lease of life. For Anne and her partner Joy, their lesbianism helped. It was the friendship and it was the interests. And there's, I think there's a wonderful thing between two people of the same sex in that there isn't the same kind of competitiveness. There's a, I would think there's more of a freedom, really. For Alex the painter, there was a dual need the personal and the artistic. But Ruth's background, while not a problem at that stage, did sound some kind of warning, however faint. She did, in the fullness of time, she sat and we painted and it was quite successful and sold well. At which stage I invited her out as the model was worthy of her hire. I couldn't very well offer her money. She seemed to be above that sort of thing. Um, she was, I found out from talking to people, a descendant of a long line of doctors and respectability was everything. Um, she wasn't exactly one you'd make a pass at. Well, not immediately anyway. And um, the dinner went well and I said it to her, I said, I need you to actually sit in on a lot of other paintings that I have that need profiles, they need people, they need to be brought to life. She seemed to bring out... Um, a different feeling in me for the paintings. The, a lot of stuff I had done prior to her were, they were dead, there was no life, there was no vibrance. She was just seemed to be the essence of the things. So um, she appeared in, I suppose, six, seven, eight out of the next ten paintings I did. 
uh, at which stage we were spending hours, evenings, weekends together, and a certain intimacy. Well, to be frank about it, we wound up living together. Um, her respectability and her profession didn't allow it to become a, an open secret. So just a few people knew about it, and we we did a sort of dirty weekend in Brighton, and except it was Clannacilty or Dublin or Glengariff or wherever the, the, the occasion demanded. And I found I become I became sorry more and more dependent on her. The the artistic side it, it just wouldn't work without her presence. Now um, she didn't seem to have any problems with me. Um, we came and went and took each other up and put each other down as need arose, artistic or physical. For Ruth, it was different. For the kind of relationship she envisaged, such high seriousness and consequent commitment was never a consideration. I never felt that there was anything very permanent about myself and Alex, and I always felt that he felt the same way as well. And, as I said, I felt felt that he got too dependent on me, and I was fed up of people... I was fed up with people leaning on me all the time. I've always conformed to what my father wanted. I've even conformed to what the people in the village wanted of me. And I didn't want to feel that... I would marry Alex just because I've had a sexual relationship with him. I suppose I was reared quite Catholic as well and that I felt, you know, you shouldn't have a serious sexual relationship with somebody before you marry them. And for the first time in my life, I just didn't give a damn. I didn't care that I was giving into my own sexuality, that I was having a nice, friendly fling, or so I thought, with Alex. And I don't think I wanted to go any further. From Martin and his much younger lady friend, there were serious problems from the beginning. Oh, yes, we, we saw a lot of each other, mostly at weekends. We lived in different parts of the country, so uh, mostly we went away somewhere where, where people didn't know us. You see, she was separated and didn't want the neighbours in the village where she lived to know about us. Well, that was a bit of a strain, but not too bad. The biggest strain was that sometimes I'd spend a weekend at her place and I'd have to be uh, smuggled in, in in her car after dark so the neighbours wouldn't see me. And uh, during the day I'd have to go around the house very carefully, staying away from the windows in case I might be seen. Uh, And the worst was that sometimes I'd have to go down on all fours to pass a window. All that was very stressful. I don't know why, but somewhere dreams come true. Yeah, and I don't know where, but there will be a place for you. came a time when they thought about and discussed, if not age per se, then some direct or indirect ramification of it. And there were many. For some it was a worry, for others not. 
It's, it's, it's something that we've never shied away from. Uh, there no, hasn't been any sense of, of living in some kind of club cuckoo land. Uh, she is, uh, it must be said, a remarkably fit woman and has always walked and swum uh, very, very regularly, takes a lot of exercise, takes great care of herself physically, and is, while we're not talking about sort of uh, some nubile young beauty, she is in remarkable shape for her age. And uh, this obviously will, will stand her in good stead. Now, in, inevitably, um, as, as, as I, um, uh, as it were, head into my 50s, uh, she will be nudging the 80 mark um, and therein therein lies a problem now I mean if she we, we've discussed this and she has encouraged me very much to sort of to think in terms of uh, at least two partners in life that she feels uh, that should she live to be 80 something so to speak that still gives me a chance uh, in my early 50s or mid 50s even uh, to find a second partner and she would encourage that and she would encourage the notion of family and naturally, that's something that I thought about long and hard because uh, by abjuring, as it were, the company of a young woman of my own age and opting instead for Hilda, um, I put off or deferred, so to speak, uh, the idea of having a child of my own with my partner. And um, should she live to be uh, to the ripe old age of 80-something, um, I can feel confident about perhaps starting a family somewhere in my 50s. Uh, and by the time I'm her age, uh, they will be reasonably mature and able to look after themselves. And sometimes third parties could present some problems, albeit not too distressing or insurmountable. Only in little tiny ways, and, and ways that would surprise you. Uh, there was one night, for example, when uh, one of Joy's friends came home and the friend was the same age as Joy... And I just had this feeling of being out of it, and it was the first time I'd felt that with her. They were talking about something that I really wasn't clued in about, and I felt this, this slight exclusion that, that uh, she may have other interests um, that didn't coincide with mine. But I suppose if I were really honest, there was a kind of niggling thing there and and then it happened in different ways. Um, we went out one night and um, somebody came who was a, a vague friend of mine and she immediately assumed that Joy was my niece. And that kind of hurt as well. It, it kind of brought it home to me, some, maybe how we looked on the outside. And I think I was a little angry too. And there is the feeling, yes, where will I be when I'm 60 and 70 and she is still a young woman? There is that niggling feeling. For some, especially where one partner is more serious about the relationship than the other, there is the inevitable contretemps. It was a dependency more than an age difference. And um, the dependency, I began to realise, was practically all on my side. I made the running. I, my need was paramount, um, she was available, as suited her, and gradually over a period of time, I, I got the feeling that I just couldn't paint anymore if she wasn't involved, if she wasn't there. Um, I touched on this gently and explained to her um, how she was affecting my work and that I felt that she should be a, a permanent fixture in my life. 
that I had. It wasn't this weekend business. Was um, It's all very well for a young man who can um, take it and go and come back when the occasion demands. But I had a need. She had to be there. I mean, I just couldn't go on without her anymore. So I asked her, would she move in on a permanent basis? Or what did I need to do to legitimise and make our relationship permanent? A fixture set in stone. This, she didn't seem to react as I expected her. Uh, she started to back away from it. Um, she said the artistic world is all very well, but um, there's a major age gap here. I mean, what will my parents say? What will society say to us? I said, who gives a fiddlers what they say? I mean, it's really us. No, she said, there is more than just us involved in this. There's my parents. I mean, they probably know already. Um it, it was very, I found it very difficult uh, when I realised that if I was afraid if I pushed any harder that she would keep moving back from me because that's what was happening in our relationship. Um, eventually, I found that she was not available. She had less time for me. She seemed to be putting barricades between us, pushing me back, telling me that I should spread myself around more. While there were aspects of the relationship that Ruth liked and found liberating, she viewed his dependency and its possible consequences with alarm. Sexually together, we, I felt we were great. There was a lot of passion in both of us. I think that, I think definitely he, he aroused me in a way that, that I, I felt uninhibited with him, I suppose. But I, I did begin to worry when I discovered that he became rather too dependent on me and um, he started to get too possessive. I liked it initially when he was more nonchalant and he'd say, Ruth, drop up and maybe I could sketch you or we could go for a walk. But after a while I felt that he really needed me to be there and I just don't think I was ready to to settle down with a man that was twice my age that I could envisage being so old and so, almost to put it bluntly, crinkled in almost five years' time and... I've had, I think I've had enough of duty. I've, I'm a doctor, I'm used to treating patients and I don't think I wanted to turn around again and have to feel that in five years' time I was going to be either pushing somebody in a wheelchair or having to make breakfast for a semi-invalid. Or I didn't really want to have to curb my lifestyle. Now, while Martin was far less dependent on his partner than Alex and though he adopted a much more subtle approach, his suggestion was equally unacceptable. Well, as the relationship got to be more serious, I thought every second weekend was not enough to be seeing each other. So I suggested that I come to live in a large town about 12 miles from where she lived. I thought we might see more of each other without actually living together. I was sure this would please her, but it had the opposite effect. She rejected it totally. It just wasn't on. She saw it as making some kind of commitment and wasn't ready for that. She also told me I was too old and my health wasn't good. I do suffer from chronic emphysema. She said she had to be practical and think of self-preservation and what would happen if I got ill.
so one way or another, every relationship where there is an appreciable age difference comes to this crossroads, reaches this crisis point, this frontier post. And whether the partners progress beyond that point depends on many things, love and trust and a blind, blind faith, an openness, a vulnerability, a total lack of intransigence and a modicum of good luck. But the prerequisite is courage, the courage of the gift. For without that, the gift atrophies and dies, lying forever like a putrefying carcass at the bottom of the well of conscience. This is the halfway house where the safety net, the guarantee, doesn't exist, and the only passport is a very necessary compromise. Thomas Hardy knew all about this meeting place of kindred spirits when he wrote, What we did as we climbed, and what we talked of matters not much, nor to what it led. Something that life will not be balked of, without rude reason, till hope is dead, and feeling fled. It filled but a minute, but was there ever a time of such quality since or before in that hill's story? To one mind, never, though it has been climbed foot swift, foot sore, by thousands more. Primeval rocks form the road's steep border, and much have they faced there, first and last, of the transitory in Earth's long order. But what they record in colour and caste is that we, too, passed. For some, as with Philip and Hilda, there is a happy conjunction of all the requisites needed to bring about this marriage of true minds, a coming to meet each other halfway, a generous acceptance by each other of the other's point of view, a magnanimous mutual accommodation of each other's needs. And the fates have afforded them that necessary modicum of good luck in the form of the particular milieu in which they move. I suppose the set that we move in uh, would be uh, very much to do with um, arts and, 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 and theatre and there are there's a great age doesn't seem to matter terribly to those kind of people you have people who have given their life to ballet and who are uh, are, are art of some kind and they're, 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 it's, it's almost like a kind of cultural subgroup in that uh, there is a great deal of liberal uh, toleration of the kind of relationship we're in. In fact, I mean, we, we, we act as a kind of inspiration to some people in that uh, certainly um, uh, a lot of younger women see how happy I am and they look at her and they sort of say, you know, I wish I could be like that when I'm her age. Or what has she got that lured you away? And, you know, I just smile knowingly and uh, keep them guessing. It is a bonus because um, uh, she is she has, as I say, a great deal of uh, of youth and vivacity uh, in her attitude. Her bones may be older, but her attitude certainly isn't. For Anne, her relationship with Joy has worked out well. She admits to being at times conscious of and a little concerned about the age difference, but not to the point where it is a problem. Because I think one of the marks of our relationship has been honesty and has been a sharing and an equality 
that maybe we both felt we couldn't achieve in other kinds of relationships. And I hope we would still be able to discuss that. But it is there, yes, if I were honest, it is there. A sense of humour has been a great help when, for instance, they are quite often mistaken for mother and daughter. Sometimes we'd have great fun in playing up to it, of course, you know, uh, and uh, taking the mickey out of the people who make such assumptions that uh, if one partner is younger, then the younger one must be using them or the older one must be using them or uh, there must be something wrong with them, you know, that, that there is something strange about it and that people can't love each other. And I, I think those attitudes are very hurtful and very ignorant too. Our relationship is a loving, full relationship that I think is as good and maybe much better than many other relationships I've seen going. For Ruth, when Alex became dependent and, to her way of thinking, demanding, she began to look very closely at the age difference and some of its social ramifications. I don't think, ultimately, he was my type. I don't think that I would want, in five years' time, to have to turn around and say, look, why can't we go to the race meeting? Why can't we go to the handball? And for him to answer me and say, look, I just don't feel up to it, I'm too old. She was also brought face-to-face with many of the other social and professional taboos attending her affair with Alex. I thought that I was suddenly after overcoming my inhibition when I met Alex and that I was suddenly going to do my own thing and sort of be rebellious, but that day that we went to Sam McNoy's and we were in the car and I just saw one of my patients, I, I just felt quickly we had to, to drive down the main street and get out into the, the, the countryside before we were seen. It was just an instinct. I think I have this self-preservation. I feel that... I will never get rid of that feeling that I have to live up to people's expectations, be it my father's or the villagers. They're all an extension of one another and I just didn't want it publicly known that I was seeing Alex because then I probably would have the smutty gossip, oh, she's sleeping with him and we always thought she was such a good girl. Though she herself saw Alex as a threat, she admits that uh, the family did not. My father now is, is, is in his 70s and... I just keep the clinic and I don't live at home anymore. I have my own apartment, um, but I do have evening meals a lot of the time at home and he knows that I'm friendly with him and he's seen some of Alex's paintings and he thinks it's quite, shall I say, British that I'm the, the subject of somebody's art and he's quite a connoisseur of art himself. And I think he's, he likes to see it in that genteel manner. I don't think he sees anything sordid and I daren't even discuss my relationship with him, really. And my mother... Well, my mother is involved in so many different organisations that, um, you know, she really doesn't pry into my private life at all and I don't proffer any information to her, you know. Even though for many months it had been evident to both of them that they were drifting in opposite directions, the end came, ironically, at an odd time. I think the final break came just after the exhibition. Um, I had gathered practically all of the paintings that she was in. There must have been... 43 or 44 of them and we had organised an exhibition um, to, to to really show off the effect she had had on my artistic um, endeavours over an 18 month to two year period um, we hired and hung them and it showed well, the light was good, the crowds came everybody seemed very pleased um, 
she was there quite a lot and I introduced her to a lot of people she introduced me, her parents were there um, they seemed to be a bit standoffish um, I did my best with them um, her father was a particularly difficult, doddery old fool and uh, as she said afterwards he wasn't much older than I but um, I ignored that remark I think it must have been the red wine that did it really um, we had a falling out is the only way to describe it and uh, it spread to the family she wasn't pleased at the end of the exhibition she came to me and she said I think it's over really There's not much. we can't go any much further with this considering the way you've behaved considering everybody here has heard it what went on so we, we parted I said well, it's just to wear off in a day or two or a week she'll, she'll come to her senses I, I just couldn't believe that she, she would go away like that a week passed and a fortnight passed and no sign. I'd stopped painting. The red wine was taking its toll, both on me and my pocket. Um, I rang her a number of times, monosyllabic replies. Um, she just was not her, the receptive person I had known. Eventually, the numbers were changed. That was the final insult. I, she actually went to the... Could you believe the bother of contacting the post office and changing her number. Now, what was left for me then? No painting, no communication, no telephone numbers. I wrote to her. But all his letters remained unanswered. The rest was silence. For a while, Alex became reclusive, his self-esteem and his pride badly dented. I, I think it's fair to say that uh, I'm not normally the one to be cast aside. Um, down through my... my I suppose youth, for the want of a better word, although I sometimes think it's not that far removed from where I stand now. Um, I have had numbers of lady friends, and I have normally been the one who has done the discarding when they had served their purpose, be it artistic or physical or whatever I felt that I needed. But um, it's not nice to be the one that's abandoned, that has been left, particularly when I had such long-term plans and... Um, that my art, which to me is everything, it needed her. In fact, it needed her more than I did. Eventually, with the resilience, uh, the indestructibility of the true artist, he came out of his depression and began to put his life together again. So I went back to France and back to Aix-sur-Mer, just beyond Nice, for the light, for the peace, and there I sat and painted and wrote I wrote a letter which was better than any of my paintings. I put my soul, everything was put into it. And I got a reply. One page, one paragraph. Any more letters will just be burned unopened. The pain, the hurt, I took it out on my palette. I took it out on the painting. Everything I did for months was rubbish. I threw them out, I burned them. But at the end, a light came in the tunnel. The heart softened. I found I could approach my art again. But she'll never be forgotten. She creeps into a lot of the paintings. I don't know. Will I ever get over her? Perhaps not. But nevertheless, we all have our memories and I have mine. Ruth is pragmatic about the whole thing and extremely honest. Indeed, honest to the point where she apologises for it. I think Alex has enough confidence in himself to realise that at 62 that he's an attractive, vibrant man and that I don't think that my rejecting him or aborting our relationship, to, so to speak, is going to upset him. I don't think he believes it's age and 
I don't think that it is acutely age. It's just that I can see that he's getting old and I have a lot of my life ahead of me. And, again, sounding cold about it, it's just too bad if he thinks that I'm rejecting him because of his age. Because knowing Alex, like I know Alex, I think that, as I said, he'd probably find somebody just as young and just as attractive in no short space of time. He needed me because I was some form of inspiration for his art. He was attracted to me sexually. We talked a lot, but sometimes, and this might sound terrible to say, but sometimes I felt that I was able to outdo him intellectually an awful lot of the time. Initially, I didn't think so, but as soon as I found that he was no longer a challenge to me, I think even sexually things went wrong. I just didn't feel that he was my intellectual equal any longer. So I, I know it may sound rather cold and callous, but I think that I think that really that Alex was wonderful while he was there and while we enjoyed one another. And I think it was a sort of symbiotic relationship. We both abused and used one another. But I think other than that, he'd probably get over me. He'd probably find some little Lolita somewhere that he can, who will inspire him or who he can paint. But I don't think... I, I think he wanted me and saw me as somebody somebody else and I think that as soon as he discovered that I wasn't that person that he probably would have left me anyway protagonists, with the exception of Martin, have in one way or other come to terms with the problems inherent in any relationship involving partners of such differing ages. He still seems broken, embittered and somewhat cynical at what he considers such arbitrary and uncaring treatment. And all, he says, for daring to suggest a more serious commitment. I was shattered by this attitude, totally shattered, at such discrimination. I, I put it to her that I couldn't understand why age was suddenly a big factor. It hadn't been for two years. Why now? Her reply to that really finished me. For the kind of relationship we'd been having, she said, age wasn't important. But for a more serious relationship, it was. I, I, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. And from someone who had told me so often she loved me. I must say, I find it impossible to, to cope with such double thinking. Feel betrayed, totally betrayed. Feel I was used all along the line and then dumped. In the end, her status quo, family, friends, place in the community, meant more to her than I did. Was there no compensation in it for him? Sure, if I'm honest, there was an element of that. She did give me back, for those two years, something of my youth, I suppose. But then, on the other hand, I gave her something, too. You see, 
she hadn't ever had a, a good relationship with her father. I feel that, even though she mightn't admit it, I was a kind of father figure for her. Oh, it's, it's all very difficult to come to terms with. And at my age, impossible to get over the sense of betrayal, I feel, of being conned and used. The farmer poet Robert Frost, that wise old man of New England, got it all in clear perspective in his poem, Reluctance. Out through the fields and the woods, and over the walls I have wended, I have climbed the hills of view, and looked at the world and descended. I have come by the highway home, and lo, it has ended. The leaves are all dead on the ground, save those that the oak is keeping to revel them one by one, and let them go scraping and creeping out over the crusted snow when others are sleeping. And the dead leaves lie huddled and still, no longer blow hither and thither. The last lone aster is gone, the flowers of the witch hazel wither. The heart is still, aching to seek, but the feet question, whither? Ah, when to the heart of man was it ever less than a treason, to go with the drift of things, to yield with a grace to reason, and bow and accept the end of a love or a season? <laughs> 